0: Talk property with Ian Collins.
1: Hello and welcome to Talk Property, the UK's number
0: one property podcast, coming up on this episode. That's my philosophy, and I know it will be scoffed at, but I think the agent in the UK is paid one of the lower personal individual salaries in the world, and that's why the service is often seen as substandard. And this. I'll take any bet right now that house prices will not be lower in 12 months' time. I might be proven wrong, and if I am, you know, I'll eat a sock or something. All of that and more on the way property with Ian Collins brought to you by property notify the UK's leading source of property sector news
2: are you a landlord investor or thinking about getting into property if so then the national landlord investment show is perfect for you attend our free one-day events across the UK and immerse yourself in an environment rich in property based information services and opportunities to grow your portfolio Whether you're interested in landlord tax advice, finance, legal issues, insurance, investment opportunities, or the latest prop tech, you'll find everything you could ever need at our shows. Having delivered over 75 shows since our inception in May 2013, we're now excited to be celebrating our 10th birthday next year. For more information and to register for your free show tickets, visit LandlordInvestmentShow.co.uk. National Landlord Investment Show the UK's number one landlord and property investment exhibition.
1: Let's meet our guest for this episode. He is the property expert from Proper PR and occasional broadcaster, I should add, Russell Quirk. Russell, how are you doing?
0: Ian, hi. Yeah, very well. Very well indeed.
1: Good. And one of the reasons we thought it would be a good idea for you to be on this podcast, I mean, there's many reasons, apart from the fact you're absolutely excellent on everything. In addition to that, you're one of the kind of few property speakers at the moment that aren't talking doom and gloom about next year? Because everyone's talking, you know, interest rates are doing this, property prices are doing that. You're actually quite buoyant about 2023.
0: I am. I was accused the other day by somebody of being glass three quarters full. Uh, And and, and I am. That's all right though, isn't it? I'd take that. To be honest, it's not through any ulterior motive. I mean, look, I run a PR firm, so you could argue that it's in my interest to talk the market up and I get that. But, you know, I'm... I'm pretty perplexed by the negativity that the bandwagon jumps on very, very quickly and easily as soon as there's kind of ripples in the water, as soon as there's times of trouble. Um, and, And actually from people that are in the industry, you know, mortgage brokers, estate agents and so on that should really know better you know, look, you and I have rehearsed politics a few times on your show in the past. Yeah. And, and I know that that's not this, this is not the time or the place to do that. But I do think there's a political element to it where there are some people, let's just say that are on the other side of the political divide, let's say to the current government, and and it's in their interest, they think to kind of talk everything down at the moment on the basis that their politics might come to the rescue, if you see what I mean. And And I just don't subscribe to that. I think it's dangerous. I think you can end up with a self-fulfilling prophecy and particularly with look, the media that we work in and that we love i'm afraid they do have a tendency to sensationalize yeah. believe it or not um, I, I think
1: that's true and also there's this thing called groupthink, isn't there where you know one, one person starts to say it and everyone else you know it's, it's contagious it, it takes on the same yeah. view uh, and they haven't necessarily thought it through they just have the yeah. same view
0: yeah, it, it's an, look, I do think there's, look, there's so much pressure on journalists now to write loads of stuff and to do it very quickly and very regularly. I, I'm not sure some of them really look into the depths of the data or the stats or the research that they're kind of reporting on. You know, there, there was a headline the other day that was some obscure professor from somewhere had said, you know, I think house prices are going to drop 30% he thought that that might be the case right so it's a supposition yeah by the time the headline was written in the times the headline was actually house prices will drop 30% wow now that's completely inaccurate and yeah. and you know, we, we're all grown up enough to know that there's a bit of poetic license needed here and there. But I think it, it becomes quite dangerous when, let's say, the the un, the slightly less educated in consumerville think that, therefore, that is fact, even yeah. though it hasn't happened yet. I just think it's a very, very dangerous thing. Absolutely. But I get the yeah, there's a commercial imperative and obviously, look, particularly in an age of digital media. Uh, You know, editors are encouraging clicks and comments for advertising revenue. I get that.
1: Yeah, Uh, but we've been there before, of course, 2008, remember? I can remember the headlines. uh, uh, In fact, two examples of this. One, 2008, financial crash. Property prices are going down 30. I think somebody said 40-odd percent at one point. And yes, there was a little rumble, but it wasn't huge and soon recovered. And then... COVID as well. Do you remember that, Russell, when there was, I, I, I can remember. I don't mean, do you
0: remember COVID? We all remember COVID, don't we? I was one of the bulls. I was one of those saying in 2020, the housing market will not crash for a whole bunch of reasons. And actually those fundamentals, I think, still apply now in my yeah. opinion. So I, I think, you know, culturally we are a nation of wannabe homeowners and I don't think you can solve that. I don't think you, I don't think that stops or changes very easily. Yeah. The, the big spectrum of interest rates, you know, we, we need to kind of understand, I think, that a 3% bank base rate, as it is, we're recording this, is obviously higher than it was six months ago but it ain't 10% and it certainly ain't the 15% that maybe you and I remember of the kind of early 90s so I think there's a there's a context to cost of money we also need to understand that fixed rate mortgages are not necessarily priced by way of the Bank of England rate they're priced from a thing called guilt yields you know the the cost of government debt and that's dictated by confidence in in the government and the economy and and those guilt yields over the last few weeks, so as we sit here in the kind of the the middle towards the end of November, those gilt yields have plummeted, you know, and fixed rate mortgages, we're seeing the headlines here and there, are coming down in cost and rate significantly. So I think the cost of money will go back to what I would consider to be normal rather than high. So for that reason, and because I think we'll probably see more government intervention, and because there's this ever Ever present specter of property shortage as mm. a reason that house prices don't crash. You know, we've got yeah. people living longer, more single occupancy households now. So, all of those things in the mix mean that I don't think it's feasible. It's just not possible for house prices, therefore, to drop by 15 or 20% or even yeah. 10% because there's more demand than there is supply. Absolutely. No, yeah, and and that's
1: just the the irredeemable reality of the situation, isn't it? The the demand is absolutely huge. The supply, not so good. Therefore, you're just not going to see these dramatic drops. And nothing we've seen in those previous wobbles, if you can call them that, that some didn't even happen, hence the pandemic comment. Property prices never did go down that, that much. 2008, I
0: mean, I don't know what the drop was, but it was... Well, peak to trough was 17% as a drop. Yeah. So, you know, that's significant. I mean, I wouldn't actually say that that was a crash as such. I don't know how we define a crash. I mean, I'd define a crash if I were asked. 30, 40%, that's absolutely a crash. 17% isn't. And that was in the depths of a financial crisis that threatened to melt down the world globally, you know, economically. But of so, course, it should, well,
1: should also be said it that it wasn't 70% everywhere and it also wasn't forever. I mean, this recovered remarkably quickly, if you remember.
0: Yeah, look, I, I, I'm, I am a bull and I'm an unashamed optimist, but based on some Reality, some, uh, you know, an experience as I've had in the market for nearly 30 years where I just don't see this being a, a 1991. I don't see it being a 2008, 2009. I just yeah. don't. Um, I might be proven wrong. And if I am, you know, I'll eat, I'll eat a sock or something. Um, but, <laughs> and, and look, you know, our friend Paul Champlina, I, I've bet him in the past, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, that house prices wouldn't drop. Uh, he dutifully paid up and that money went off to our friends at Great Ormond Street Hospital. I, I'll take any bet right now that house, prices will not be lower in 12 months time compared to now so November 2023 house prices will not be lower on average than November 2020.
1: Wow so that's interesting and I, do I need to get a pair of socks ready for the uh- <laughs>
0: Well, maybe the on-air just-
1: eating fest that may take place. <laughs> we alluded a little bit there to governments. I'm a, a kind of, I'm sort of from the Reagan school of thought. You know, the most sinister words in the world. I'm from the government. I'm here to help, is usually a good rule of thumb when it comes to housing. Um, I, I think governments successively have been pretty hopeless at, at moving things in the right direction, invariably missing out great advice from the industry itself or uh, allowing the markets to do its own thing, etc. But having said that, if you were the housing minister, Russell, what would you be doing right now? What would be the, the first port of call for Minister
0: Quirk? There's a thought, isn't there? Um, well, I suppose the first thing is that I'd aim to be in the job more than a couple of weeks. I mean, we have had 14 <laughs> housing ministers, I think, in the last 12 years, 14 and 12 years, which, you know, where consistency and, you know, regularity, a kind of consistency is required to make sure that, you know that housing minister can get their feet under the desk they can start thinking about a strategy and then actually implement it and execute on it I mean you, you can't do that if you've been in the job for on average 10 months so I, I think there has to be there has to be some kind of kind of yeah um, staying power I think applied to housing ministers I think the housing minister also needs to sit in cabinet so of course we often get the housing minister and the housing secretary mixed up so the current housing secretary but it could change very soon is of course Michael Gove and he also has the brief for communities and levelling up, but the housing minister who sits there just tasked with all things housing you would think you would hope yeah doesn't sit at cabinet and and for it to be one of the things that even the conservative party have said recently is one of the most important things on our list of priorities to ensure that we get re-elected well they don't seem to follow that through in terms of actually walking the walk because housing ministers as i say don't sit at cabinet so i think Longevity is very, very important. And and actually what I do in terms of policy, I think because of that inconsistency and because housing is so political and it is used as this kind of political football so often, we need either a housing czar that Mm. sits there with a mandate which is guaranteed for at least five years with a budget and a bit of power, obviously you know, checks and balances notwithstanding. And, and that housing czar then can do all of the, the things that need to be done around housing supply and Grenfell and homelessness and you know this thing that this hideous thing that's popped up over the last few weeks, of course, with uh, social housing standards and that, yeah. that poor youngster dying as a consequence of the conditions of his social home. Correct. So all, all of that needs to be done. And, and then the other thing that I would do is Is stop relying on the top 10 house builders to build about 65 to 70% of all our homes. I mean, it's not quite what you'd call a monopoly, but to have 10 PLCs and effectively they're big shareholders yeah. governing the supply of new build homes in Britain cannot be right. And look, I say this, Ian, as as you know, a conservative, a capitalist, a guy that loves the free market and sure. will defend it to the hilt. But we, we are now held to ransom by those big 10. So I think what the government needs to do is set up something that is almost a competitor in terms of the public sector land that is freely available, hectares and hectares and hectares sure. of it. identify it, decide where the demand dictates certain types and tenures of homes should go, and that body, without then having a commercial imperative, decides what is built, where it is built, and on that public land. Um, and at, at first, use taxpayer money for that, but as a business mentality, so something that's run as if it were private sector, the profit then that is made, because it would actually be delivering a mixed tenure of resale homes, social housing, affordable homes, build to rent, and so on, the profit, the margin that that initiative, that policy would ultimately make, can then go back into that system. And actually, I think it would be self-funding, it would be self-sufficient in the future. But, but we'd end up with targeted housing, right volume, right place, right time. That is what I would do. Why are you not the housing minister, Russell? That's <laughs> because a, I think, I, I think I you've I just bought yourself on... a job there well yeah i think for 80 grand a year and inevitably i'd end up on the front page of the mail the express or the sun within weeks i suspect um so yeah no, that that's 80 it grand was one years.
1: incident in Skegness, it doesn't count russell
0: as a tabloid <laughs> splash let's not dig too much into the skeleton <laughs> um, um,
1: let's just go back to that that area of um not so much urban myths that but stories that get out there and you can't put them back in the bottle landlords having a hard time um i'm constantly seeing headlines on this i've been interviewed a lot of people talking about landlords are selling up they can't make ends meet there's new um, energy ratings are going to scupper them the interest rates going to scupper them new rules and regulations there's a hundred of those coming in they can't make it work any longer so there's an industrial scale legging it from the landlord market true or false
0: it's largely false really and you know landlords and i'm a great defender of landlords look we need them not only do we need them as entrepreneurs and you know those that pay into the exchequer and so on, we need them actually to fill the gap left by government where social housing is concerned. Sure, So they're, they're, a, they're a wonderful entity. Obviously, the the supposition from many, particularly government, is that landlords are all big corporates and they drive around in Bentleys and have got 17 holiday homes and so on. Obviously, the opposite is true. Most landlords actually own one to three properties and they're just ordinary people that have put their money away and want it to work for them. So I'm a big defender of them. But they didn't have moan, Ian. They did moan. Um, and and, and, when, and they, they, know, some would say they have every right to moan. You know, they've been recently bashed by having certain tax reliefs taken away. You know, Section 21, you know, uh, the, the the so-called, uh, you know, unjustified eviction kind of thing uh, is is about to kind of be laid at their door. They, they've, they've got EPC regulations coming up where they're going to have to spend about £10,000 of property to get their property EPC, C-rated, ready. Um, mm. So that they, they've they've had a burden thrown at them recently for sure. However, when we look at the commercials, the actual pounds, shillings and pence of being a landlord, particularly if you've been a landlord for the last 10 or 20 years, sure, you own property now that has gone up in value by about 5% a year. You're getting increasing rents because the market demands that right now. So your yields are increasing. So you know we we shouldn't i don't buy into the kind of lamenting of the landlord situation too much because i think commercially they through their own wisdom and through their own efforts and risk have earned pretty well out of this asset class ie buy to let property compared to what they would have done if they put that money and that risk into other things so when i ask for a show of hands if i'm on a a Landlord kind of related panel, you know, how many landlords are really selling up? You know, you out of 200 people, you generally only get about half a dozen put their hands up, yeah, insofar as those that are genuinely going to sell their portfolios and exit the market. So, no, I, I don't buy that it is that bad,
1: yeah. And when you hear a story of somebody's got 300 properties and they're selling 25 of them, I don't think many tears are really shed in that department, are they? No,
0: not exactly. <laughs> It's all right, you know, and I would say it will be, despite the woes of the landlord, so to speak, in inverted commas, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, they'll still see capital appreciation, they'll still see a yield. Yeah. yeah, they're not quite in the brilliant position that they were maybe 10 years ago from a government policy perspective, but it ain't that bad. There's only one other group, I suppose, that
1: raise people's suspicions and their can I trust them radar kicks in. Other than landlords who, you know, as you correctly say, you know, they, they get a very bad rap and there's all the old kind of Rigsby stereotypes of landlords. Uh, but estate agents are the other group, aren't they? Why, why do you think that still is? Bearing in mind, these are people looking for your dream property.
0: And, and it still is the case. You know, whenever you see these surveys of the most hated professions, it tends to be, no disrespect to you, Ian, journalists, yep. um, particularly tabloid journalists, uh, estate agents, and kind of traffic wardens or tax collectors. So they, they are seen as, you know, bottom of the pile in terms of reputation. And I, I, I think there's a couple of reasons. Look, one is because within some areas of estate agency, you know, there there is definitely a low standard. So there, there are definitely standards that need to increase. and And some of that, is because of the absence of licensing in the UK. So in most other countries, including the US in particular, there's, there's licensing. So you have to pass a license you have to pass a knowledge test there is a an organization or an oversight body that can kind of you know bite you with big teeth if you transgress in whatever way you know particularly if it affects the consumer we, we don't really have that here i mean we have the ombudsman we have arla and property mark and the nrla and so on but we don't really have we don't have what i would call uh, you know, proper regulatory oversight. And, and I think the agency industry needs that. And I think that would raise standards, particularly if there's a knowledge test that has to be passed by all agents and principals every three years, for instance. And, and the other thing is, and this might be a bit controversial, people might laugh at this, but I don't think they're paid enough. And, and I genuinely don't well, think- What are that you H- talking about, Quark?
1: <laughs> no, paid sadly, I get It's like 2.5% for nothing. Just stick, well, a, look, stick London, a photo. Maiden. Stick a photo in
0: the window. That's it, isn't it? Well, and, and this is the problem. People perceive that that's true of agents because with some agents it is. But a good agent, not only will he not get paid for six months until the deal goes through, so that that's that's quite a job. You know, I'm I'm not sure that there's many professions where you work for six months before getting the paycheck. Most agents are not charging two and a half percent. You know, the UK average is one and a quarter percent, and. You know, it's a pretty torturous job, you know, lots of pressure for the agent, particularly because of the way they get paid, demanding buyers, demanding sellers, the buyer, of course, that you have to deal with in the same way as the seller gets the service for free because the buyer doesn't pay. One in three transactions fall through, so you do all of that work and wait for your money. But actually, 33 or so percent of the time, that deal simply falls through. You lose it. You you have to start again. Um, I, I think when you compare the fees and the earnings of the individual estate agent in Britain versus most European countries and Canada, Australia, the US as good examples, fees are higher in those countries. Those agents and their businesses, the agencies are better respected. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Because I think if you as an individual are earning more, you are more inclined to be better at the job, you provide a better service, you're more obligated to the client. So I don't know which needs to come first. You know, I I can't imagine an agent standing in someone's lounge saying, hey, look, I'm going to be fantastic. You're going to be so impressed. Therefore, can I charge you 3%, please? I think unfortunately, it needs to be the other way around, which is agents have to prove how brilliant they are to then later on justify a higher fee but but look that's my philosophy and I know it will be scoffed at you have that's fine um, but I think the agent in the UK is paid one of the lower commissions and therefore personal individual salaries in the world and that's why the service is often seen as a substandard why is and you may or may not know the answer to this
1: why in the UK they call it estate agents and why in the states are you at realtor
0: I don't know, but what's amusing is there are one or two businesses that are now in the UK that derive from the US that are really trying to force that kind of... um, Real estate business. Well, yeah, that, that kind of um, that language on the UK consumer, <laughs> calling them, you know, real estate agents and realtors and brokers and so on. And, and it's just not washing, right? Because yeah. what do they say about uh, the US and the UK? You know, we're kind of uh, separated by one common language. And, and it's definitely true when it comes to the property sector. True. Um, yeah, I mean, estate agent. I mean, that's, that's a very old term. You know, I mean, who, who owns an estate? You know, apart from wealthy broadcasters like yourself. Well, obviously, yes, yes.
1: You haven't um, been to so- the castle for a while, have you?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I, it's probably not particularly <laughs> accurate to say that the average three bed semi in Scunthorpe is, you know, yeah. part of some estate. Um, but but it's it can be confusing. So I think that we need to stick to the terminology that we know and understand. Yeah, really. yeah. real estate doesn't really say much at all, does it? I
1: mean, it, as distinct from unreal estate, what what is that?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, again, it's an American term. I think it's supposed to differentiate between the estate of a person and real estate as in. It's real because it's physical. It's oh, tantal. right,
1: okay. So it's not your own personal, you know, you've got a few quid in the bank. It's actually yeah. got it. That's the, I, I think. But there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Just a final point, because a lot of people were very excited when we said you were coming on. Um, I, I know you've been refer- referred to previously as the Piers Morgan of the property industry. Uh, so <laughs> yeah what and i i kind of get that and i and by the way the, the, there's no pejorative there that's a massive compliment but why do you
0: think that is is it justified yeah look, i think it is a compliment look he's one of the world's most famous broadcasters so um look, you know Piers has a certain reputation as you know you work with the guy you know yeah. Piers has a certain reputation for being outspoken and not afraid to speak his mind and to have an opinion and, and i think over the years for, for various reasons, but mainly because I do get very frustrated with the industry and its lack of innovation and progress, the fact that we don't charge enough, the fact that we're lambasted by the public in terms of service. Yeah. I'm I'm probably one of the few people that does speak their mind. Um, you know, I, I, I did something very recently where I stood up and and said, look, I think that the majority of UK estate agents are lazy, you know, and and I'll obviously get castigated for saying such things. But it's only born on reality, because I've talked to Australian agents, I've been to the US and spoken to agents many, many times over there. And I see the difference in work ethic and, and, and not just Ethic, but the way that other agents in other territories hustle—you know—the way that they, you know, try to find leads and they nurture them and they they keep hold of them and they're very, very focused on customer service. I think mainly because of that lack of licensing, lack uh, of—I don't know, lack of fee, whatever whatever the reasons are. The the agency fraternity here. Just could be a lot better, and so I call it out on a fairly regular basis. If I'm honest, Ian, do sometimes I have a little fun with things and kind of sensationalise yeah. a, a, a sentence or an opinion here and there? Yeah, of course I do because yeah. it's it's quite funny. I, I try to entertain as well as being opinionated. The, the other thing, which I definitely probably, I'm sure I have in common with peers, is that you know I get trolled a lot in the property uh, forums, you know, Estate Agent Today and Property Industry I, and I don't care. And, and I'm sure I speak for yeah. Piers where, you know, he gets absolutely lambasted on yep. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and wherever else. And um, I think some of us maybe thrive on it rather than it bothering us. So the more we get trolled, the stronger we get.
1: Yeah. And that sounds like a good point to finish on. Just remind everybody where they can find your company, Proper PR, Russell
0: yeah so the website is properpr.co.uk and if you want to have a go at me either on twitter or linkedin as some choose to do uh, i'm very very easy to find on both so twitter i'm at russell quirk yeah just uh, easy to find on linkedin good work we'll speak soon russell many thanks indeed cheers in great to talk that's it for this
1: episode don't forget of course you can listen back to all previous episodes too and don't forget to follow this series so that you get each new episode automatically
0: Talk Property with Ian Collins. Brought to you by Property Notify, the UK's leading source of property sector news.
2: Are you a landlord, investor, or thinking about getting into property? If so, then the National Landlord Investment Show is perfect for you. Attend our free one day events across the UK and immerse yourself in an environment rich in property based information, services, and opportunities to grow your portfolio. Whether you're interested in landlord tax advice, finance, legal issues, insurance, investment opportunities or the latest prop tech, you'll find everything you could ever need at our shows. Having delivered over 75 shows since our inception in May 2013, we're now excited to be celebrating our 10th birthday next year. For more information and to register for your free show tickets, visit LandlordInvestmentShow.co.uk. National Landlord Investment Show the UK's number one landlord and property investment exhibition.